0: Welcome everyone to podcast 22 and today Celtic preacher is looking at Jesus' wisdom on unhelpful ways of coping with stress and trouble and uh, let's call them overly challenging situations known by Jesus as the cares of this world. Yeah, there's habits that we fall into that can actually make things much worse for us. We're going to look at these these, these habits. And I'm going to start with giving you, I'm going to read to you the passage, because this is from uh, Luke, and it's uh, 21, Luke 21, beginning at verses 25. And this might be a verse that, or a, a paragraph that you might skip over if you were reading it yourself. Or if you were in a a church setting or in a teaching setting, you might think, oh boy, this is not going to be particularly interesting. And yet, uh, once once we delve into this, this is an amazing passage. But let me read it first. Here's the passage. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And the, and the earth's nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring of the sea. And people will faint from terror and apprehension of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time they will see the Son of Man in a cloud with power and glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That's the passage. Now, doesn't that sound like one of these street preacher types of passages? When I when I read passages like that, I think of I think of street preachers. Actually, Celtic preacher comes from a long line of fallen preachers. Yeah, apparently my two grandfathers on both sides of the family were street preachers. And I remember my grandmother would tell me that, "Oh, yeah, he would put the fear of death into them as he stood outside the pubs on a saturday night put the fear of death into them hell fire doom and gloom i think really can that can is that helpful can that be helpful well we when you read a passage like this even if you even if you don't know much about the bible this particular paragraph this text doesn't really sound like what we're used to hearing, and there is a reason for that. Because this is a distinctive type of literature. It's a distinctive style of writing. It's actually called apocalyptic. Now, let me mention something here, that the Bible is really a a library of all different kinds of literature. And it was written over, say, 1,500 years and there's so many different styles of writing found in the book. There's poems, there are prayers, there are historical accounts, there's letters, there are parables, there's visions, there's stories. Uh, and then there's this other style here called apocalyptic style, and it had its heyday 300 years before Jesus was born and about 100 years After Jesus was born. You know how things go into style and then they fall out of style. New things are invented. Like for example we have rap music now. And rap music is really popular. Well a hundred years ago nobody had rap music. Well this apocalyptic style of writing was very very popular around Jesus' day. And it flourished particularly during Difficult times. So this background can help us understand how to read this particular style of writing and apply it to our lives. Actually, the book of Revelation, the last book in this Bible, is written all in this style of apocalyptic writing, which actually means hidden. The word means hidden, veiled. So if you are uh, living in Jesus' day, and you are oppressed by the ancient Romans, and you hate the Caesar, you're not necessarily going to be shouting that from the rooftops, but you might say it in a veiled way, or you might write about it in a veiled way. You might write about the Antichrist. For example, you wouldn't necessarily say his name out loud, right? So, life wasn't easy for the early church, and ancient Rome destroyed the holy city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple in about 80 AD or 70 actually, the common era, 70 years after Jesus was born, the temple was completely destroyed. So you have to sort of use your imagination. If you were an ancient Jew living then, your temple was destroyed, Rome had taken over the known world, life was hard, persecution was common, Um, you were starving, there was famine, there was wars. I mean, you'd be thinking it's the end of the world, wouldn't you? And so this, this apocalyptic style of writing actually wasn't meant to scare people who were already scared. They were already scared. It was actually written to encourage and to strengthen people who are going through turmoil and wars and famines, and troubles, and persecution. And because the heart of the message is, in verse 25, when people faint with fear, and when life is overwhelming, it's like, yeah, I already know it, It really is, it's overwhelming for you. Verse 28, stand up and raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now, Fast forward 2,000 years later. Our lives are very different from the first followers. Our struggles are not quite the same, but every generation has its own particular anxieties about living in the world. And it's worth noting that Jesus encourages us, warns us really, to... Pay attention to our lives. And he warns us to stay strong and stay alert. He says we're to stay alert. We're to be spiritually awake so that when we do face various challenges, which we will, troubles, disappointments, sickness, temptations, whatever it would be, troubles of various kinds. He says now, Stay strong so that you'll be able to stand and not disengage and not withdraw and not fall into despair. Or to stay strong so that we're not overwhelmed by the world that we live in. And then he gives some very, very practical advice on how to stay spiritually, emotionally, physically strong. Yeah. So it's interesting to note that when people withdraw, when people become less engaged in whatever capacity, they'll often blame it on trouble. They'll say, well, I don't have time for my, I don't have time to look after myself or my spiritual life. I'm too busy or I'm too depressed or I'm too angry. But in reality, that spiritual lethargy usually isn't due to difficulties it's, it's more apathy and distraction and busyness. It's more that kind of thing that weakens the inner life. And when our inner life uh, becomes weak, it affects the outer life, the part that people see. So when we feel spiritually disconnected, when we feel emotionally off-center, down, it's usually because something or someone has our attention. You could say this another way. Uh, Here's what Jesus says, verse 34. Be careful or your hearts will get weighed down. So guard your hearts. It's like, okay. Okay, well, what do I have to guard my heart from? What do I have to guard my heart from? So he's saying, pay attention to your inner life. Pay attention to your inner life. How do you live in a world filled with insecurities? How do you deal with fears? How do you deal with fear for yourself, for your children, for your grandchildren, for the world we live in? So he's really addressing ways of coping. And the way he does it is, is he begins by saying, let me tell you what is not helpful. He says, don't get weighed down by dissipation, drunkenness and worry, be alert. It's like dissipation. What is that? What is that dissipation? So it must be an old word. I don't think I've I've heard it. I I can't remember the last time I heard that. Well, dissipation—you have to kind of use your imagination here. If you take a a dry sponge and you plunge that sponge into a basin of water, the sponge is going to suck up all that water, right? Dissipation—it's to satiate yourself. It's excess. Excess of what, really? Choose your poison. It could be overeating. It could be overspending. It could be overworking. Actually, all of these things are highly commendable in our culture today, aren't they, in North America? Overeating, overspending, overworking. What's wrong with that, people would say. Uh, Jesus would say, they weaken you, they damage you, and ultimately they pull you down. Apparently they're not new problems. If people had the means they find ways to cope with life and fear and stress by sati- satiating, <laughs> satiating yourself, overdoing something. Jesus said that adversely affects health, your, your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. You can't separate all these areas, by the way. You talk about one area, you're talking about all the areas. It's overdoing something. Shopping, eating overly, committing yourself to things. You can't say no. You can't switch the TV off. You can't stop the game, the sport, the endless internet surfing. All opportunities for dissipation. Not necessarily bad things. I mean, it could be bad, but you could be reading English literature and go overboard. Right? Not helpfully saying. Why? Because it dulls, ultimately, it dulls your spiritual senses and what you do to your body, your mind affects everything. Whether your head's stuck in a book or in your iPhone on the TV, it's all distraction. It all removes you from the present. Is that bad? Is that bad? Is that a bad thing? Jesus is saying, yeah, Jesus is saying yeah, it can be. It can be a bad thing. It can be an unhelpful thing, right? Not feeling very in tune, feeling a bit disconnected. Getting weighed down by life. Could it be you're not paying attention to how you're treating your body? There's something very helpful about detachment. About looking at something in your life that you think isn't helpful And then pulling away from it. And I think that's why uh, our ancestors have practiced fasting for millennium. Because our ancestors noticed that what they do to their body, with their body, what they think about, what they eat, what they drink, affects everything, positively or negatively. Now, for many, many modern day followers of Christ, not all of them, but for many of us, there's a mind-body split. My spiritual life is all in my head, it's all cognitive, it's something I learn, and it stays in my head. My body really doesn't matter. Hey, what's a little dissipation overdoing something? It's pretty common. Jesus said, it weakens you. And ultimately it brings you down. Ultimately, it brings you down. Avoid meaningless attachments, he's saying. And then he gives another warning. Be in your guard. Why? So your hearts aren't weighed down. So your hearts are not weighed down. Don't get weighed down with dissipation and don't get weighed down with drunkenness. Now, drunkenness before all the teetotalers breathe a sigh of relief and think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Drunkenness in this context is a lot more than alcohol. Drunkenness is really anything, again, that dulls your senses or anything that has great influence over you. It's kind of the idea that you get so caught up in something that you're really completely unaware of what is around you. You're unaware of yourself, you're unaware of God, you're unaware of people, because you're all just caught up. It's really just a, another way of talking about addiction. It's it's participating, doing something, uh, a way of being in the world that, that attempts to numb you out and deaden you. It's just a way, of, it's really addiction. And people can get so caught up in so many different things. We're all addicted. It's just a matter of recognizing what we're addicted to. One of the greatest things we're addicted to is the way that we think. I mean, talk about a habitual pattern that we're not conscious of, the way we think. We can get so caught up In different things, in work or pursuing a career or reaching a particular goal, that everything else gets pushed to the side. Watch out for this, Jesus is saying, guard your heart. Guard your hearts. That damages you in greater ways than you think. And so does worry, Jesus says. There's another thing, worry. Dissipation, drunkenness, worry. Worry. You know, Jesus didn't give in to fear. And it's interesting that at the end of this chapter in Luke, we're told, because this is getting near the end of his life uh, in the context of his whole life story, we're told that every day he taught in the temple and at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives praying. Right, So he's, every night he's going out and he's praying He's basically withdrawing and he's praying and he's gaining strength for the next day. It's like, where did he get all the strength from? How did he not live in fear? Well, it was prayer. He learned how to guard his heart. He learned how to protect himself and strengthen himself. And it was through prayer. And I think it's, it's just a helpful a helpful way to pray is just to remind yourself of what is true. You know, if you're the worrying type of person, you got to watch how you pray. You really have to watch. If you're the kind of person that worries a lot, here Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't be weighed down by worry. you got to watch how you pray because... And one way you can help yourself is by telling yourself what is true. That is one way to guard your heart. But if you're the worrying kind of person, long lists of petitions, that is requests, might not be that helpful at all. Now, I know that this is the common way to pray. You just start the list and start telling God all that's wrong, almost like God doesn't already know what's wrong right? And you. This is the common way is you, you remind God of what is wrong, okay? Your best friend's sick, or you can't handle the family conflict again this Christmas time, or your marriage is shaky, or you're running low on your finances, and you, know, you name it, whatever it is, you despair over the unfairness of the world. Uh, maybe if you're the worrying type, maybe a more helpful way to pray would be to remind yourself of what is true. It's just a, a slight shift, but it makes a difference. You rather than the long petitions of all the stuff that's wrong, and they, you end up being more depressed and anxious at the end of the prayer time as you were at the beginning of the prayer time. What you do is is that slight shift. Remind yourself what is true. God, I know in sickness that you're with me because you're faithful. And I know that you'll help me. You'll give me what I need to bring healing to my crazy family this Christmas time. I've got to face them all again this Christmas around the table. I'm dreading it. I'm trusting God that you'll give me what I need to get through this time. Or thank you that you're changing me, that I might be a better partner. You're giving me insight. You're helping me not be so selfish and tied up in my own world. And I'm going to trust that you'll provide. You've look how faithful you've been all these years. You'll continue to provide. See, prayer. It's a different way of praying, but it's a a way that is uh, beneficial particularly to those of us who worry a lot. Prayer reminds us of what is true, it guards the heart. It guards the heart from excessive worry. You'll not be overwhelmed. You'll not be overcome. Whatever happens, you will be able to stand. Why? Because God's the one who holds us up. That's why. Because God's the one who holds us up, right? So all these warnings Jesus gives us about dissipation, about drunkenness, about worry the various unhelpful ways we employ to help us cope, Jesus is giving us another way altogether. He's given us another way to access strength rather than be always at the mercy of our compulsions and our addictions. Rather than be at the mercy of our default, our unhelpful ways of escaping or coping or managing. Instead of that familiar path, he's like, he's saying, notice. Pay attention. Be alert. Watch yourself. Catch yourself in the act. Catch yourself. It's like, oh, here I go again. Here I go again. I'm, going, I'm getting depressed, or I'm getting angry, or... I'm thinking the worst here. I'm, I'm, I'm worst case scenario. No, no, I don't have to go that way. I don't have to go that way. I don't. I don't need to choose that path. And there's a release. And the end result of release is always, always, always newfound strength. It's almost like an exchange of sorts occurs. Anytime you release something, you'll always, always get something back in due time that will strengthen you and help you. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Jesus' wisdom on how to access true strength in a world that at times feels like it's going from bad to worse. Inadequate ways of coping can be released. Yes, there's the heart cry. There's the prayer, help me God to access true strength, true stability, peace in the midst of chaos. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.